Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Rado Stankov. Did I get anywhere close on your name? I always feel like I'm messing it up. Uh, it's correct. It's the most correct you can pronounce it. <laughs> when I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. Uh, do you want to just uh, remind people who you are and then we'll uh, dive on in? Cool. Uh, yeah, my name is Radu Stankov. I'm uh, head of engineering at Product Hunt. Uh, I'm like doing development for like 18 years this year. Uh, I, I have been doing JavaScript for most of that time related to the context today. I'm also organizing a React conference uh, on night of of 9th of May this year in Sofia, in Sofia, Bulgaria, where I live. Cool. Uh, awesome. And yeah, I think that's mostly about me. Very cool. And we've had you on a few of the shows. We've had you on Ruby Rogues, um, React Roundup, uh, React Native Radio, and my Ruby story, which is going to be formatted somewhat like this one. So yeah, oh, do yeah. you want to just... Uh, I'm going to ask you some of the same questions and we'll just kind of see where we end up that we did on uh, my Ruby story. But how did you get into programming? Yeah, so uh, my parents, like my father and my mother were like programmers. My mother is not a programmer anymore. My father is still. And I got into very early age. Like I did my first website at school. Mm -hmm. And accidentally I <laughs> found myself to, to have a job like doing programming when I was like 15. I just kind of fell up into that uh, role and I'm doing this ever since. Nice. So what, what was your first programming experience then? Yeah. So initially I started coding on Pascal for at my school. Mm -hmm. Like this was like the programming language of choice. And as a side project, we did like a PHP side gig. And this is actually the first time I actually wrote some JavaScript uh, at that point, and from PHP, I jumped to Flash. Actually, this was my first uh, paid gig, like the company I worked was actually with uh, Flash. And then I worked with something called Director. And then I moved to PHP do with JavaScript. And at some point I did a lot of other stuff and then jumped into Ruby. Cool. And uh, yeah, we talked a bit about your journey into Ruby. Um, I, I kind of want to just kind of skip past that a little bit and go straight to the JavaScript stuff. So, you know, you built stuff on Ruby. It sounds like you've, uh, you know, driven some of the stuff at Product Hunt with Ruby. Um, but yeah, lately you said you've been doing more JavaScript. So what, what kinds of things are we talking about with JavaScript as opposed to with Ruby? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm doing JavaScript longer than Ruby. Like, I think okay. I've been doing JavaScript since 2003 or four. Like. Mm -hmm a couple of <laughs> past a decade now and wow. yeah like i have like javascript it's like i think the language i'm 
knowing like worked a long longest time in my career uh and at product hunt i'm like uh, what we are doing is basically we use javascript for microservices like node stuff our main stuff right. is like ruby graphql and we use it with uh, react on the front end mm-hmm. and react native on the mobile side okay so that's basically and i'm quite doing a lot with like React community, like I'm kind of leading the meetup for React in Bulgaria, in Sofia, mm-hmm. and like the React conference I'm also organizing. So a lot of my current time is with React, but during the years I have been part of the uh, other JavaScript communities. Like uh, I was very involved in Prototype JS. I don't uh-huh. know if you remember that. Oh like, yeah even having like a moderator access on their uh, lighthouse. This was like the bug tracker. Uh-huh. And this was like one of the first open source project I really push, like really trying to get involved there. And when I get involved there, the project like slowly start winding down and like jQuery took over the whole web. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the good old days of prototype. That's kind of when I got into development and then, um... Yeah, and then jQuery took over, and yeah, lots of stuff moving there. And then, yeah, and then we started seeing uh, frameworks like Backbone and Ember, and I'm trying to remember Knockout. Yeah, we like we have the first Angular at some point. We also mm-hmm. have like things like I have played with things which were like uh, Moot Code, like Moot Tools, which was like Moot Tools. Uh, yep. Between jQuery and Prototype, there was like this dodge thing which Mm -hmm. was very complicated at the time and of course there were like a lot of push i remember back then with something called xgs i think it's called sentia now Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, started like a yui plugin like uh, yep yeah i i have passed through all those phases (laughs) yeah absolutely so yeah, you, it, it sounds like you've seen a lot of the same things that, that I have. Um, I'm curious as you move through these, I mean, how, how did you determine which thing to learn next, which technology that you wanted to, to move to next? Yeah, so I mean, basically after prototype GS, like I think this was like my aha moment where I understand the language. From that point on, I was just like moving to the most thing which would be mostly isolated from the rest of the system. Uh, like the way I was thinking about it, okay, hey, I know JavaScript. I want to write the JavaScript logic itself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to care so much about the underlying framework. Right. Uh, which like when I was working with Angular was not very possible. That's the reason I didn't like it so much and jump jump to reactively on. But my, my main focus was I first want to treat stuff as things which change, like everything with JavaScript changes. Mm-hmm. So my best, my philosophies in general, are like I want to reduce, to isolate my dependencies. And I want to look at something which can be a, like a good foundational architecture, like something which I can build foundations on top of it. And then right. it's like deciding, do I need this for like a full fledged, full, like, blown like a single page up or do I need this for something smaller like back in the days 
And also I have been trying to get into the more bigger frameworks, more like established, because usually I work on smaller teams, smaller projects, and I never have like a budget and team to really experiment and like take more homegrown approach. Like usually what we do is we take something like jQuery or like backbones. Like this was the time when we we were just building stuff on top of that. And right. again, with prototype, I also did that. Like use it as a foundation and then build your own stuff on top of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, you know, as you're picking these technologies, especially the ones that you can use as kind of this foundation for what you're building, um, I mean, I can kind of see, you know, picking jQuery or prototype or some of these technologies where effectively, yeah, they, they're kind of made to be that kind of a foundation, but then you get into the frameworks and it's, you know, they give you a little bit more than what I would consider necessarily a foundation. So how, how do you, how do you pick those? Like, how do you pick kind of the next level up? Yeah. I mean, for, for the next level up, it's like, I have built a lot of like single page apps and like you see what you need. You need this over and over and over and over and over again. And usually what you need is like the frameworks are more like a platform, mm-hmm. like a thing where I don't want to build everything myself. I can, right. uh, you can, I mean, everybody can build it, but it takes time, effort and skills in a lot of things. So what I'm looking at a lot of times is ecosystem. And nowadays I'm actually even looking at, can you hire, can you like find talent and not exactly like just for hiring, but for help, like community side, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of issues like, are for people around this ecosystem. Like right now I'm on React mostly because I really like the component driven approach, which starts my opinion with backbone. And mm-hmm. using those technologies, I see a lot of like, a lot of common ideas. Not, and right now that's the reason I'm mostly just picking a React. Also like over the years I started, like before I was very big minimalist, like, okay, I've just stuck to jQuery or even without it. And nowadays I'm more like, okay, guys, we have to be, we know that we're building like a single page app. Let's like pick the big guns early on, integrate them, isolate them, make the system more modular, but you know that you are picking one, one side. Like we won't move to Angular or to Vue. We are going to be on React and that's stable enough so we can choose, make the other stuff more flexible. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm a little curious too, you know, as you moved into um, Product Hunt and using React, um, you mentioned, hey, we're building a single page app. That's not really the way that Rails likes you to do stuff right so so what made you decide to kind of deviate from the rails um page refresh way or you know kind of go halfway with uh what do you call it uh turbo links yeah and, yeah so a bit of like usually this i have seen this like happen like at least three times in my career so usually we started with okay we initially want to have a standard Rails application where Rails generates the JavaScript. You use the UGS in Rails where it's like a very, like 
I mean, this term is not very, shows how old you are. If you know it, it's called an obtrusive JavaScript, where your JavaScript starts decorating pieces of the code. So we started with something like that. We don't need to have an interactive page. Like Product Hunt is a very simple list of products. You click, you open. And then you say, okay, yeah, but we need like when you add comments, we want to be like line editing, added, like cool stuff. Okay, we would then just use Backbone. Like we would create this small framework where you just write, you just add into the HTML, you add like a data attribute, like you say data component, name of component, and this like similar to way how Tubolinks works, injects components, make it work. And Though we started noticing that more and more components start, started to evolve. Like a lot of more work was put into those components than into those uh, normal Rails things. Then we had to implement like our search page, which we wanted to be more interactive. And we say, let's try React. And we say, okay, we will just replace Backbone with React because it has like a better performance model because of the um, virtual DOM updates. And we started noticing how all those small components started growing and basically eating whole pages. Where at some point, like after like six, seven, eight months, most of the pages were just use this component. And then we say, okay, we already have that. Why do we need to have the whole rails routing and all of that? And we, then we switch to a single page app like again page by page page by page and when we're doing this we actually notice that rails becomes actually a lot more fun to work with when you don't deal with views because like in my opinion rails views layers is where most of the complicated stuff happens like when you deal with decorators serializers you deal with a lot of like view helpers forms and all of that and then you have the HTML, the CSS, and everything gets really mushy, like a lot of mixed up. And we slowly, like again, started with small components, they grow, eat the whole page, and then we switch to a single page app. Also, we really like the way in React, you can basically have a component, which is a CSS file, component file, image file, icon file. So it's very easy to just not waste energy because in rails like i have a lot of i had a plugins which were like detecting dead css selectors which right now i don't need stuff like that yeah that's interesting you know i've been uh working on an app where yeah i'm building a single page app on Vue.js and rails on the back end and yeah some of the stuff you're talking about it definitely is nicer with that front end library right where it's um like i'm always looking up okay how do i how do I, like, just as an example, you have like a one-to-many, right? And so it's, okay, I want to add another category and another category and another category. And it's really simple with the Vue.js stuff to do that. And in Rails with the views, I mean, it's like, okay, well, I've got to do this and then this. And then I've got to use JavaScript to kind of tie it all together and blah, 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 blah. And so I definitely see that. And the other thing is, is, yeah, as I enhance the page with JavaScript, it feels a little bit more seamless with the front end uh, frameworks. Yeah, exactly. And also like the whole, if you have like a bigger team and you mm -hmm. have designers and you work with like this component model of where you have, okay, all the buttons look like that and buttons are easy, but we have components like cards, a lot more complicated. Right. Components. 
and you start combining those in rails like right now they put this into rails which is, i think mm -hmm. very good have these component classes where you basically have like mini components there which combines right. but before that you have to build this yourself and people are not used to that and it was quite messy and it just gets nicer and also when you deal with forms doing forms in javascript it's easier than having rails javascript html ajax and all these mm -hmm. flying yeah it makes sense so um what are you working on these days so right now this is something we released like pub uh, publicly uh last uh, tuesday it's a thing called your stack which is like a totally separate code base, like totally separate thing from Product Hunt, which is basically a place where you can stack the products you use. Like this is basically a place which you can see what your friends are using, what products are there, collect tips about their products, publish tips, see tips about the products you use. Uh, it's something which started as a feature on product hunt as an idea and grow to like six months project of building a whole new application and brand and all of that like the original idea was in product hunt we just put a button next to every product which says i use this so you say that i'm using this not just liking the bunch and if we see okay this makes product hunt too complicated let's move it and right now we are just investing a lot into this new product called your stack very cool and that's built on the same stack as Product Hunt? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. Like we pick some other changes on the, on, on the, like main it's again Rails, GraphQL, Apollo. But one of the things we use here is Next.js because when we started Product Hunt, Next.js didn't exist. And right. we most probably would want to move Product Hunt to Next.js at some point but we want to experiment with, like, with, with it. We also like, made some other backend choices, which are a bit different, and we are experimenting with those. But the biggest one on the JavaScript side is, again, uh, it's basically Next.js, picking it as, as our like, tool of choice. Very cool. Well, that sounds awesome. I'm a little curious too, just like, is, is there some theme or lesson that you feel like you've learned over the course of your career that, um, you know, people could apply in their own careers? Yeah, like usually, like for me, like one of the things which I learn over and over again, and I'm like trying to push more to the people who like work is first, you have to learn, like you need to know the tools you're working with. Like you need to understand, for example, the languages you know. Like I see a lot of people working, for example, with JavaScript in particular, they don't know the language. And they're always confused about stuff which happens and is possible in the language. And yeah, the language nowadays, the people think it's moving fast. But I remember the days we were, we were discovering features in the language because nobody knew them. And right. the idea, you have to know, first you need to know the language you're using then like, okay, you're using a library and like you are choosing this library, you have to know this library well. You shouldn't be confused by the APIs it's, this place is having. Like I'm rarely nowadays surprised by like, if React have a feature. And the third is you just have to learn when you are thinking about like systems and designing things, you should 
like the worst thing can, especially that's worst in the JavaScript world is dependencies. That's my big, biggest pet peeve is you have to be able to think about isolating yourself. Like you, you, you basically have to split in your mind the, the, the systems you are building into like, I have this foundation and this is like, I'm building on top of that. Like in my case, I'm building with React, I'm building with the following GraphQL. This is my foundation, okay. But everything else is, we try to make it like pluggable. Like recently we changed the router, like, uh, uh, this is like somebody, somebody would say this is a fundamental thing, the front-end router you use. And what, the way we designed the system from day one, because in React world we have changed like five routers already. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, that's happening. And, and Next.js, like they made like a great change and we had to change a plugin we use. And the, basically we changed the router for like the application and this took us an hour because the way we designed the thing was okay if i have to change the router what steps i have to do like recently we changed one of the drop down menus like we used one library it wasn't good enough we, had, we changed it and the way we we have done it is okay we just change it and the whole application doesn't care about it and a lot of the the tools we use we, we try to isolate those dependencies. Like, of course, you have to depend on something, but you try to isolate them in a such a way that you can change that. Like right now we are building a new mobile app and we are like most probably going again with React Native. And one of the problems there is the compiler, the whole stack, and basically one of the design decisions we are going to take is even further. We would make this app to be okay every time React Native updates, we just create a new app. We just copy the, the structure. So we make the application so pluggable that if you change, if the, the whole compiler, bubbles, webpacks change, you don't depend so much even on them. Right. Like this is a thing I learned over and over again in my career is you have to isolate your external dependencies and treat them as, okay, make, this, this make like a facade or like a layer before them. Yeah, makes sense. Back when functional programming was making its resurgence, I found it really interesting that a lot of people were moving over there and it almost felt like it was on hype and I didn't really understand the power of functional programming until I learned Elixir. Elixir is a functional programming language that's built on the Erlang virtual machine and it really does some interesting things and makes you build apps in a different way. But what's really fascinating about it is the speed of the applications, the ability to distribute work easily and just how it manages the functional programming and all of the nice things about it so that you don't have to worry about side effects and a lot of the other things that come out of functional programming. Plus, pattern matching in Elixir is a killer feature. If you're looking for a new language that you want to learn that is going to make a difference for you and give you the opportunity to challenge some of your thinking and find a new way of doing it, Elixir is a great way to go. And we have a podcast now on Elixir called Elixir Mix. And you can find that at elixirmix.com. I, and I like it too, because yeah, then, because how do I put it? So I've worked on a number of apps where, yeah, you know, and even in the code that I wrote, right, not even my dependencies, I've run into issues where effectively, yeah, my stuff was too coupled to the stuff next to it. And then I've got to go change that. But in order for me to change this, I have to change that. And in order for me to change that, I have to change the thing next to it. And yeah, eventually it's okay. Well, I kind of need to just redo the whole dang thing. 
And so, yeah, by isolating the parts from each other, it, it makes it easy because, yeah, you can just swap them out. I mean, you may have to write some code to interface into whatever you put in in its place to make it fit, but then you're still in that same spot where then if you have to pull out the next piece, it comes right out and you can just, yeah, adapt to the new thing. Yeah, exactly. And the thing about it is, it, it, like coupling, I think, is the worst thing in software. Like if you couple to something, you are... It sure like, makes things hard. <laughs> yeah. And what, what I'm trying to, like when I work with my engineers, what, especially with the junior ones, I'm trying to put them, like this is a trick I tell them a lot of times when they build a feature on the pull requests. Okay, guys, just look at the change log in your pull request. Just see, okay... Uh, how many files you needed to change? And how many of those files are changes? How many of those are new files? If tomorrow I come to you and say, tell you, this feature, we decided we don't have it. How easy is going for you to remove this feature? How you can be isolating this feature in such a way that when we remove it, because we, we are doing a lot of experiments, this happens right. a lot. I have to remove this feature. How many steps I have to take? And you check, check your diffs, which are your entry points, how many entry points you have, just look at the files. Like, unfortunately, GitHub removed this feature when you can see like a list of all the files you change with directories. It's, it was a mm -hmm. very good way to see how many, how modular your system was. Basically, you see, oh, I changed like seven files in this other place, which I don't care about. Why is this change? So you just try to think about, like, that's what I'm telling most people is, try to think about the stuff like affecting, if I have to remove this feature, that's like the first level, how many, how easy it is to remove the feature. And the second one is, do, am I surprised if I'm a new person and I open this file, would I be surprised this piece of code is here? Right, cool. If people wanna find you online, where do they go? Uh, I mean, the best place is just Twitter, like I'm uh, Air Stankov on Twitter. And basically okay. everywhere. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Um, do you have some things you want to shout out about? Uh, yeah. Like one of the things I want to sh uh, talk about is uh, it actually fits quite well with the topic we just discussed dependencies. Like uh, I found, like I saw this uh, plugin from a, a presentation from Monica Lent and this is something we integrated recently. It's called Dependency Cruiser. So this thing is what it does is you can define rules for your dependency trees. For example, this is something we do. We have a folder which is called components and mm -hmm. we have a folder which is called pages. And everything and from pages, every, every JavaScript file in pages can only import dependencies from like npm packages and from components it cannot import components from other pages if you need something to be from other page you have to make it more reusable so dependency cruiser just makes you have like a structure in your application so you say okay this module cannot import things from this other module they have to pass this other layer so this enforces this dependency rules which we just discussed and my other pick is a book which I recently uh, uh, was reading. It, it is called The Unicorn Project. It's like a side book to something called The Phoenix Project, which is mm -hmm. also a great book. 
So those two books are basically a novella about software engineering, like basically the story is in a, in a company which manufactures car parts. Uh, they, are ship, they are working for the last four years on this project called the Phoenix Project, which is going to solve all their problems. They release the project and everything goes to hell. And those two stories tell the story from two different perspectives. Like the uh-huh. fan projects tell the story from the head of operations in the IT operations, how mm-hmm. he solved the problem on the top level. And the unicorn project, which I actually prefer a lot, tells the story of, uh, of an engineer. Which, uh, like she was put into the Phoenix project as uh, like just banishment because she screwed up on his, her previous project. She was mm-hmm. put there and basically from her perspective, how she was able to, from the Phoenix project, extract something reusable, build a system and like save the day. Like it's a very good, like a fictional story, which taught you like a really good lesson. It's really like all books. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. Um, I've got a couple of picks here myself. Um, I don't know if I picked this last time or a previous episode. I've been doing like three of these a week. So I just, I totally lost track of what I've been picking. Um, I've been listening to a book on Audible called uh, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And uh, it's a fantasy book, but it is awesome. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, It's rather long and it's taking me a little while to get into it, but I'm really, really enjoying it. And then one other pick I have is LinkedIn. Um, I've found that... um, as I'm reaching out to people and trying to find them, LinkedIn is turning out to be a really, really terrific place for me to connect with people. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can. Uh, I'm on there, Charles Maxwood. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to pick that. And then lastly, um, we just launched as we're recording this. Obviously, it'll be old news by the time this comes out because we're several weeks ahead. Um, we just launched the Clean Coders podcast. And so episode one is with Robert C. Martin, Uncle Bob Martin. And uh, we talked a bunch about Agile development, um, his book, Clean Agile, um, how he got into, you know, Agile development, Agile Manifesto. He was there when they wrote the Agile Manifesto. And uh, anyway, it's, it's been a really, really fun conversation to have. So I had one with him. Um, I'm trying to think. We had conversations with Chris Powers, who works for Thinkful, I want to say. Um, and then we also had one with Eric Critchlow, um, and he talked about, you know, how to learn and how he leveled up and I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff. Um, the interviews so far have all been with authors on cleancoders.com. Um, but they are just top notch people. So, um, anyway, I'm going to shout out about that as well. And then, um, this will probably come out too late for it, but if we have any spots available, you can also check out our, uh, group coaching slash workshops. I'm doing like two month workshops on finding jobs, staying current, starting podcasts. And I'm going to have an ongoing mastermind group for uh, developers who want to level up their career and help each other level up their careers. And so if you're interested in any of those, um, you can go to devchat.tv slash workshops and you can get the details there. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, thanks for coming, Gerardo. It's, it's always fun to talk and see what's going on at Product Hub. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to like chat and especially like remembering old tech. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, the good old days. All right. Well, we'll uh, wrap this up. Uh, We'll have another one next week. And in the meantime, Max out.
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.